0: Today is Christ the King's Sunday. It's the day that the church focuses particularly on Christ as ruler, as sovereign and Lord, and the one in charge. So it's interesting that our gospel text finds Jesus in a place of apparent powerlessness. He's the poor, itinerant rabbi, and Pilate is the Roman emperor's delegate in Judea representative of the greatest military and political power that the world had ever seen. Pilate's technical title was governor of Judea. Jesus is in front of him because he's accused of claiming to be king of the Jews. A better translation of that would be king of the Judeans. So this scene is a confrontation between the governor of the Judeans and the King of the Judeans. Jesus' claim is a direct challenge to Pilate. Only one of them is right. Only one of them is really in charge. Pilate, understandably, doesn't seem to be worried. He's the one of the army with the army. And Jesus doesn't even have the support of his own people. But the issue had to be dealt with because the claim to be king of the Jews, king of the Judeans, was a political claim. If Jesus is saying he's king, he is claiming that Pilate is not in charge. He's suggesting, even worse, that he is king and the emperor is not. It's a direct challenge. One of the core confessions of the early church was the same kind of direct challenge. Christ is Lord. We hear that all the time. We might even say it all the time. We don't realize how shocking and dangerous a sentence that was in its original context. Christ is Lord. Like Jesus' claim before Pilate, it's a profoundly dangerous sentence. Caesar, the emperor, claimed to be Lord. He claimed to be the one in charge spiritually and temporally of everyone in the empire— Caesar is Lord is something you would hear all the time. To say Christ is Lord was shocking because it explicitly gave Jesus' power claimed by Caesar. It was a direct challenge. To say Christ is Lord was to say Christ is Lord and Caesar is not. Mercifully, we don't have to deal with the wrath of the Roman Empire if we dare to say that Christ is king, that Christ is the sovereign in charge of our lives. But when we say Christ is Lord, or when we celebrate Jesus as king of the Judeans, we should do it with some fear and trembling. Because when we say that Christ is king, we're saying something dangerous and powerful. If Christ is king, Pilate is not. Caesar is not. No one else is king. If Christ is king, no one else, nothing else should have that power in our lives. To say Christ is Lord is to unseat anything or anyone that demands our loyalty. That's a scary and important thing. When the apartheid government in South Africa demanded that parts of the Christian Reformed Church um, in, the con- in that country oppose racial integration, the response of the leaders of the denomination was, Christ is Lord and you are not. Some members of parts of that church went to jail because they believed they owed obedience to Jesus first and to the government second. Similarly, the civil rights movement in this country owed and owes much of its strength to the deep conviction of the lordship of Christ. Some of the power of that movement comes from their belief that they follow Jesus as king. Ultimately, Christ is in charge, not the white power structure of their day and ours. Believing that Christ is king is a challenge to anything and anyone else that claims power in our lives and sets us on a new and challenging path. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be in charge of my life. I'm a Texan. I'm the oldest child. I don't like to be told what to do. And as Americans, we love our freedom and our autonomy. We tend to sort of romanticize it independent, self-sufficient, responsible. These are words that we love. And as Americans, particularly um, as those of us who are white have some economic privilege, we can live for a good while with that illusion that we're in control, that we're in charge in our own lives. But confessing Christ as king means letting go of the illusion that we are in charge. Being Christian is a lifelong process of dethroning ourselves over and over again so that Jesus can be king it's about surrender it's about letting go and letting God be God about getting out of the way and it's really hard we have to keep on letting go of that control we have to keep getting off the throne something I really struggled with uh, letting Christ be in charge this past week As you're probably now tired of hearing from me, St. John's is going through a process of discerning where we're called to serve next in our community. And I have to admit, I've got some really clear ideas about where I think we should end up. In my heart of hearts, I think I know what we ought to do, and I think it would be awesome, and it would unite everyone, it would make a big difference in the community, but it's not about me. I'm not on the throne here. It's about what God's doing, not about what I want. But when it came to the time to really decide how St. John's will serve, I was ready to sacrifice and impart my brilliance. But instead, the outreach task force took a risk. They worked very hard to discern what the community needs, what St. John's has to offer, and then they put that information in the hands of people who attended our outreach breakfast yesterday. They trusted that God would lead the parish in discerning what was next. That's kind of a crazy thing to do. And it really worked. The Spirit really showed up yesterday. I think everyone who was there felt this sense of energy, this sense of the presence of God in the conversation we were having, and a sense of new direction and hope and excitement. You'll get to read details of that soon, but it was something that I could never have imagined. Amazing things happen when, in spite of ourselves, we can let go and let God be in charge. But declaring Christ as our sovereign is not just about letting go of our own desire to be in control. It's also about refusing to let other things and other people have power that really belongs to God. For many of us, there are certain people that take on undue power in our lives. Maybe it's our bosses... Maybe it's a spouse, a friend we idealize, that parent we can never please. Making other people happy can become our number one priority. And there are also things that we can put on that throne instead of God. Our jobs, success, money, the respect of our peers. We allow these things to determine what our priorities are, how we feel about ourselves. But the reality is, if Christ is sovereign, if Christ is king, then he is the only one we really need to please. Christ is in charge. There was a great interview on NPR on Thursday with Laurie Anderson, an artist and musician, and she said that she and her husband, Lou Reed of the Velvet Underground, for anyone who's who fans, had come up together with three rules for living. She said, so the first one is, Don't be afraid of anyone. Imagine your life if you weren't afraid of anyone. Two, she said, get a really good BS detector and learn how to use it. Three, be really tender. I love those. But I was really struck by that first rule. Imagine your life if you weren't afraid of anyone. That's what it is to confess Christ is king. It's to believe that we only have one person to please. We don't need to be afraid of anyone or anything. Imagine what you could do in your life without that fear, without the fear of failure or disappointing anyone. That's what it means to believe that Jesus is Lord and nothing and no one else has that power. We confess Christ is king and mean it. We start out on a path that will change our lives. Confessing Christ as sovereign means dethroning anything and anyone else in our lives that claims to be in charge. As one of my professors in college used to say, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. God is in charge, and that can have unpredictable and wonderful consequences. Amen.